This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. He was born one month after the end of World War I, was just a baby during the 1919 Chicago race riots, and only a toddler as the Tulsa Race Massacre raged in 1921. He marched with Martin Luther King, and he was pivotal in helping Barack Obama become America's first black president. A life well lived. That's what we say about the life of Chicagoan Timuel Black. He passed away yesterday, just two months shy of his 103rd birthday. Mr. Black was a historian, activist, teacher, storyteller, and music lover. He dedicated his life to human rights and defeating segregation, voter disenfranchisement, and discrimination. Several people will share with us their reflections on the unprecedented impact Mr. Black had on them and on our world. We begin with Ambassador Carol Mosley Braun. She was Illinois' senator from 1993 to 1999. In fact, she was the first black woman ever elected to the Senate. Mr. Black was on the steering committee for her campaign. Ambassador Braun is not short on words for what Mr. Black meant to her. Their journey together began long before she became a household name. It was before I got to the Senate. Before I was still in the state legislature. I've known him for easily 40 years. I'm telling my age by that, but, you know, I've known him forever. Mm-hmm. And um, we were good friends, and I'm good friends with his wife, who's now his widow. But at the same time, uh, he will be missed because he made such a huge contribution, not just to our community, but to the world. Tim Black was a warrior uh, against uh, classism, against racism, against sexism, misogyny, you name it. He stood on the right side of history, as far as I was concerned, across the board, and was very courageous. He never backed down from a fight. He stayed engaged, I mean, up until the end. I mean, I commented on the fact that Tim walked more straight up than I did. (laughs) He always picked his feet up when he walked. And so he was someone who stayed vital until the end. And so all we can do is be grateful that we had 102 years of him, uh, that he stayed on the right side of history. He stayed committed to making this world better and helping people. So uh, here was a man whose life well lived. I mean, he gave more than he took. And so I am grateful to have known him, to have it passed through my life. Again, I've known him for a long, long time. I could regale you stories forever. <laughs> well, well, I want to hear some stories because I know he had a great sense of humor. I, I know that he was known for telling folks about um, the greatest day of all, which was his birth, and, and how he decided, he says, as a baby to come to Chicago. So to leave Alabama, right. <laughs> yeah. So w- what were some of your favorite stories that he would tell? Well, my favorite stories uh, include the fact that, again, when I first met his wife, his widow, uh, Zenobia, I thought she was a friend of my younger brothers. I had no idea that she and Tim were an item and that they were going to get married. I mean, I just kind of, you know, the old put your open mouth and search foot. I did one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I said to her, I said, Zenobia, I thought you were Joey's girlfriend, Joey being my brother. And it turned out, no, she wasn't. But that was my first impression of them as a couple. And I once had a dinner party years ago 
that was um, turned to be one of those dinner party disasters. I don't know if you've ever had, had those, but yeah. <laughs> yes, quite a few. It was a dinner party disaster because I had invited the late Senator uh, Margaret Smith, and um, she started going way back, come with the way back machine. She went way back to when her late husband was alive and started talking about stories between Tim and he and Tim apparently were not on the same page. <laughs> oh, boy. So it turned into be an argument with Margaret Smith and Tim Black about civil rights. And um, I could have melted into the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you mentioned, he was pivotal in bringing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to Chicago to have him speak for the first time in this city. Tell us more about Mr. Black's involvement in that civil rights movement and, and what that meant for this city. We would not have had a civil rights movement in Chicago but for Tim Black. That's the truth. Like I say he was courageous. He brooked no opposition to doing the right thing. He um, not only brought Dr. King, but he had been a, a sidekick, if you will, to A. Philip Randolph, who was involved with the labor movement. So he brought together the strains of the labor movement, of the civil rights movement, and the human rights movement. He was able to knit those things together. So the result is there's so many communities that who are grateful I'm better grateful to Tim Black mm -hmm. for his work because he really was a connector. Now, nowadays, I guess the kids call him influencer, but he was an influencer that brought together lots of different communities to do the right thing, and I'm grateful to him. And he was a teacher for decades. What kind of impact do you think he had as a teacher? Well, I keep running into people who say, you know, you know, Professor Black, you know, Professor Black. I didn't know him as Professor Black. I mean, I knew he was a teacher, but I never took class with him or anything like that. Uh, but the people who did take classes with him uh, were strongly impressed and remember him fondly uh, for the knowledge and the wisdom that he imparted to them. He was an influencer and a networker. He brought people together. And I think that's the strongest thing to be said about Tim, that he was always on the right side of the issues. He was courageous, and he tried to do the right thing, and he did the right thing by our community. And although he ran for political office many times, he never won. He was more successful working on monumental and historic campaigns. Uh, former Chicago Mayor Harold Washington's. Yep. Yours, of course. Yep. Former President Obama's. What did he bring to these campaigns? Again, he brought the wisdom of knowing the community, knowing where the buttons were to be pushed, uh, knowing what the connections were to be made. And so he was very, very valuable in terms of opening doors for me, not just introducing me to people, but introducing people to me mm -hmm. that I needed to know. He was willing to share his knowledge and experience with whoever uh, sought it out. Well, at his 100th birthday party, he spoke to the guests and he said, quote, he said, I, I think I can say actually and factfully that for all of you here, I used to be your age. Right. That was one of his favorite lines. You know, there's that humor again, of course. You know, it's it's clear this is a man who kept working and, and kept fighting for people for over a century. That's right. What, what do you think right. gave him that push? What motivated him to do it for so long? He wanted to make a positive contribution, and he was not prepared to give in to age. And he was able to take the cumulative wisdom and knowledge and experience from all of those years and bring it to bear on current day issues. So he stayed relevant, um, to use a modern day word, but, it, but he stayed relevant because he brought all that stuff together. And he never hesitated to um, speak truth to power. He just never hesitated. He would say what he thought was the right thing. I just hope that the people who are charged with keeping Tim's legacy alive, that he will serve as an inspiration to these young people 
who um, may not have known him personally, but who will hopefully look at his example because that's the kind of person we need to have in our community, someone who's prepared to stand up and do the right thing and not give up. And that, that was Tim Black. Yeah, and of course, he was only two months shy of that 103rd birthday. Right. Our thanks to Ambassador Carol Mosley-Braun. She was ambassador to New Zealand from 1999 to 2001, a U.S. senator from Illinois, and she knew Tim Black very well. Ambassador, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. During the Depression, my brother and I worked in Ma and Pa grocery stores, and we knew when we made the money, my daddy would come over to Hyde Park, and he was out laid off from work at, at, uh, at the stockyards. He would go over to walk over to Hyde Park and ask to wash windows, do anything. But which, whatever money that we made would come into the family pot. That's Tim Black telling a bit of his story right there. Before we get to our next guest, here is more from some other politicians from Chicago. President Barack Obama, who knew Black very well, he writes, quote, Tim was a testament to the power of place and how the work we do to improve one community can end up reverberating through other neighborhoods and other cities, eventually changing the world. And here's this from Congressman Bobby Rush. He says, my friend Tim Black spent every day of his life pouring his best into others. Tim gave his all to all of us. We turn now to Barbara Ransby. She's professor of history, gender and women's studies, and black studies at the University of Illinois at Chicago. She's the author of several books, including Making All Black Lives Matter, Reimagining Freedom in the 21st Century. Professor, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. First of all, what are your thoughts right now as we reflect on Timuel Black's life? Well, you know, as everyone has said, you know, Tenuel Black was a very special person, much beloved. Uh, I met him, oh, almost 30 years ago when I came to Chicago. And uh, I think three things about Tim, I guess, you know, in terms of what he leaves us with. And first of all, you know, he was a consummate teacher. Uh, I invited him to come to UIC many times to speak to my students. And he was always this great storyteller. But he also was factually accurate. You know, you figure a person that's up in age, you know, maybe some of the facts might get fuzzy. Tim was razor sharp in terms of remembering the details of historical events. Mm -hmm. Uh, And really, he used his life as a rich archive to tell us the history of the 20th century, Chicago history, United States history, world history, you know, his experiences fighting fascism in World War II his experiences in the racial justice movement in the United States and Chicago at the national and the local level. Uh, And with students, you know, conveying that information and and that knowledge and insight, he would entertain all questions, the sophisticated theoretical questions, as well as the, wait a minute, when did that happen? Um, And I remember him saying once to one of my students, the student said, well, Mr. Black, you know, I'm so, these are such wonderful stories. I'm embarrassed to ask my question. And he said, the only stupid question is the question you don't ask, or the only dumb question is the question you don't ask. So he was very open. I mean, you know, a lot of the remembrances are uh, the famous people that he knew, you know, Mm -hmm. Obama or King, et cetera. But he was very accessible and very connected to grassroots folks. You know, just one vivid memory that I have was we had a program many years ago at the Harold Washington Library, and the library was closing. We had to go out a side door and... There were some security guards who had to escort us out. And the security guard looked at him and said, wait a minute, are you Temuel Black? And uh, he said, why, yes, I am, you know. <laughs> and the person said to him, you were my, you know, my brother's teacher at, in high school and so forth. 
you know, they had a lovely conversation. And so Tim was always willing to engage people. So I think of him as a teacher. The other thing I'll say is, you know, he was a savvy political person. He was an organizer. Uh, I think of him as kind of a principled pragmatist. There are Washington campaign, there's the civil rights struggles, et cetera. But I also want to say this, you know, any political leader, any political visionary worth their salt is someone who's willing to take controversial stands. So it wasn't just, you know, all the issues that we now agree on. Tim took positions on issues when everybody didn't agree on them. And I remember discussions with him, very sad discussions about the death of his son in the 1990s, Kerrigan, who died of AIDS. And Tim made a point of speaking out against homophobia and around, you know, the need for support and research around AIDS when many people were not doing that. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that about him. I appreciate his respect for people like Paul Robeson and A. Philip Randolph and Ish Flory, who were, you know, unapologetically radical and left wing uh, black activists, uh, as well as his affiliations with more mainstream political folks. How do you hope that he is talked about and taught about in schools moving forward? Well, I think, like I just said, he he was somebody who wasn't afraid to uh, take a principled stand, even when it wasn't a popular stance. And I think that's important. And I, I just really hope as a historian, you know, I see so many historical figures who get watered down and kind of sanitized and made safe for mass consumption. And I hope we don't do that to Tim. I remember uh, at his 100th birthday celebration, there were many celebrations, but I spoke at the one at the uh, Logan Center and John Bracey came, who was a professor at UMass Amherst and remembered his days in Chicago as a black student activist and how Tim did a lot of behind the scenes work to enable the protest that student black students were leading in Chicago uh, in the 1960s. So I think all of that, the organizations that he participated in, the Hyde Park uh, Peace Center and, and a whole number of organizations that he participated in uh, and supported at the grassroots level. I think that's a real important part of his legacy, as well as his appreciation and love of black culture, yeah. you know, music. Uh, he really didn't just talk about oppression and suffering and injustice. He also talked about uh, joy and creativity and uh, those things that nurture the soul. That is Barbara Ransby. She's professor of history, gender and women's studies and black studies at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Professor, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Louis Armstrong exemplifies the unification tools that brought people together. Everyone knew about Louis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And food does that too, like you said. Food brings people together. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's Timuel Black with writer and scholar Eve Ewing and his friend Lisa Yunli, executive director of the National Public Housing Museum. In June, they hosted a fundraiser for the museum where they made Louis Armstrong's red beans and rice recipe, and they talked about oral history. And Lisa Yunli joins us now. Hi, Lisa. Hi. I'm so glad to be with you today. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. your time. You know, Lisa, my impression of, of Tim as someone who did not, unfortunately, get the chance to meet him, besides being fun to be around, it sounds like he always showed up and he was oh, always yeah. willing to try new things. I mean, he participated in an online cooking demo <laughs> at 102 <laughs> years old. How would you describe him, though? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we knew this day was coming, but it's still really difficult to think about him as an ancestor. And as you said, he was just so brilliant and generous and funny, but also so serious and important. And the thing about him that was really remarkable was he was as good a storyteller as he was a listener which is really the most winning combination. And you don't have that that often. You know, usually somebody is either talking all the time or they're listening, yeah. But he was both. His uh, engagement with the community didn't seem to stop, of course, as he approached and then, of course, passed 100 years old. What has his support meant to you personally, Lisa? And to Chicago, too. Yeah. Well, at the National Public Housing Museum, we are really a call to have an inclusive foundation for the stories that we preserve and collect. And if there's anyone who exemplified that commitment to storytelling, it was Timuel Black. I mean, he stayed relentlessly insistent that the shortest distance between two people is a story. And even though he was a rigorous and amazing historian in the scholarly sensibility. He also said that the best kind of history is having a young person sit down and talk to their grandparents and ask them where they came from, right? And so that kind of belief in personal history and stories in a family is, I think, the legacy that we hold so dear at the National Public Housing Museum. And this sort of hearing both the good, the bad, and the ugly, and an inclusive and capacious history that valued each and every person. You were part of ensuring that Mr. Black was supported by the community in the last days of his life. You helped organize a GoFundMe for his uh, end-of-life care, and it raised over $100,000. So how does it feel to see such an outpouring of support? Yeah, I mean, the GoFundMe was a brilliant manifestation of his life and the idea of beloved community, right? This idea of Dr. Martin Luther King's, but also Grace Lee Boggs and so many activists and radical organizers who believe that the importance of being rooted in community was the place to start making change. And that is when you look at the GoFundMe and you see that sort of huge outpouring of local support from $5 to $10,000 from the who's who's list of activist scholars and thinkers to community organizers to everyday people. And I remember, you know, we were reading him the messages of support um, in his last days. And, you know, he would remember people and also he'd say like, Who's that? Never heard of them. Oh, you know? And so love it. it was just a beautiful sensibility of all the lives that he touched. And you see that there is a beloved community that responded to this moment of someone who had given his whole life to movement organizing, to revolutionizing the world to be better for all of us. And people realize that that is the work that sometimes is not paid the best in our society that it's not like people who are activists end up having the best health insurance yeah. and, you know, and that people really responded. And that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, Lisa, you share the last name of Asian American civil rights icon, Grace Lee Boggs, whom you just mentioned, and she passed away in 2015 at the age of 100. Yeah. Give us your thoughts. <laughs> when you think of these two civil rights giants who lived for a century or more. Yeah. When I was the director of the JAMS Hull House Museum, you know, Grace 
uh, Lee Boggs and Tim Black sort of grace that space a lot. And um, the thing about both of them that is so striking is that they embodied the understanding of what it means to be a leader that all, I think, of the great leaders did. And this was a quote by, you know, sort of um, Ella Baker that I know you just had Dr. Ransby um, on, and, you know, she wrote the beautiful biography of Ella Baker. But, you know, she said, you know, great leaders realize that strong people don't necessarily need strong leaders, right? So, like, if you have a movement of people who are allowed to organize and to build a movement that the leader is not the sort of charismatic individual that we actually need to look up to, but that person is part of the movement and is always one with the people. And that is something that both Grace and Tim represented. And also, I think the really important thing about them, that they were committed to sort of rigorous thinking and analysis Mm -hmm. and also practice and sort of organizing in the streets. I remember him, even at 100, he really had wanted to go to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And at that time, it was still really hard to sort of get tickets to go. And I wrote to Lonnie Bunch and said, you know, Dr. Tim Black wants to come in. And immediately they got tickets for him and Zenobia and me. And I remember sort of taking him to that space Mm -hmm. and him just going through all of this history and really being committed to like the, like he loved seeing Harriet Tubman's shawl, but he also was so impressed that the everyday histories of people's names who we don't even remember was actually represented in the museum. And that was so important to him. And I think that commitment to the everyday, the vernacular and the sort of ordinary people was really important. That is Lisa Yunli. She's executive director of the National Public Housing Museum and a friend of Timuel Black's. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Thank you so much. Let's check in with one more person to hear more about the life and legacy of Timuel Black. Eve Ewing is a Chicago writer and scholar who worked with Black on many projects. Eve, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good to talk with you. What's on your mind and and in your heart right now as we reflect on Tim Black's passing? You know, um, I am sad like everybody else, but at a certain point, I keep telling myself, what more can you ask for from a life? I feel so um, so motivated and so grateful, um, not only that Tim set such an incredible example for all of us during the time that he was alive, but also that we had some time and space to make, him sh- make sure that he knew how much he was cared for and loved in, in his final days. And I actually um, just was talking talking to my mom about something I'd forgotten, which is that I interviewed Tim Black for a project I, I did about the Great Migration when I was probably like 10, <laughs> like 10 wow. years old. Um, and I was doing this school project and I interviewed, I, I interviewed my grandma and my mom said, well, let me call Tim Black. And it's just so funny to think, you know, he was, of course, at that time already so beloved, so many demands on his time, um, has given us so much, and that he was not too busy to talk to a little kid about, you know, making sure that he was disseminating this history and sharing those stories. And so he was really just the quintessential educator, always made time, always let us know how much we were loved um, as black people, as Chicagoans, and really just um, set the bar high for what it means to be a scholar and a human being. What would you say you learned from him? I think two things. Um, One is um, you can never go wrong by asking regular people their stories. 
there's and and that's something a lot of folks have been bringing up the legacy of Studs Terkel this week because they were so similar in that way. Asking regular people about their lives, you can never go wrong by doing that by taking the time to learn and listen. Um, and the second thing is, you know, I'm not always the most optimistic person. Tim was a, a relentless optimist, and he said, you know, um, we have to be ready. We have to we have to stay stay ready at any time because change is always on the horizon, and we have to keep fighting relentlessly to make that change a reality. And so as someone who um, can sometimes be a little bit of a Debbie Downer, I'm, I'm really trying to take that lesson from him as well to, to keep your head up and, and stay positive. When he turned 100, you were quoted as saying that his legacy will live on for another 100 years. Tell us more about the impact that he's had on Chicagoans and, and how you see that impact continuing in the future. Well, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize, and, and I'm grateful this week that as folks are really reading and learning more about him, just the, the multiplicity of things that, that Tim did. He was an educator um, both in, you know, um, in uh, high school and also in, in higher education. He was also a political organizer um, as well as a historian. And I think that that legacy of using all the tools that are available to us to follow our passions, to solve the things that need to be solved, um, is, is a really important one. And I also, you know, he was a relentless documentarian. Um, just this past week, um, myself and, and um, my colleague Kathy Cohen and some of our students have been working on a new research project. And, and one of my um, project managers said, I'm so excited I got to go to the Vivian Harsh archives and look at the Timuel Black papers. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much, and it was so incredible. He saved everything. He documented everything. And I, I hope that folks can take that lesson away as well. The things that feel mundane about your life, your everyday stories, your papers, papers, those types of things. That's how we keep our history, you know, by saving those things and sharing them with others. And so that's, he was very intentional in leaving us that legacy. He didn't allow it to happen through happenstance or coincidence. He made sure that we would have the lessons that we needed from him. And as we've pointed out here on the program, Black was a historian, a civil rights activist, a teacher, the list goes on. WBEZ's Natalie Moore, actually, she calls him an honorary grandfather to her and and so many others. Eve, when we talk about his legacy, are we really just talking about many different legacies in all of these arenas that he worked I mean, absolutely. I think that, and that that alone, that idea of being complicated and being able to give to the world in many different ways, defying those types of categories, that's always been really important to the black intellectual tradition. You know, we look at people like W.E.B. Du Bois, who's a sociologist, who's also a novelist. We look at Zora Neale Hurston, who is, you know, a novelist, who's also an anthropologist. And I think that black, part of the black intellectual tradition is knowing that you have to use all of those tools that you can at your disposal. Um, but I think that, you know, just the the kindness and the generosity of spirit is part of why so many people felt that way, that he was an honorary grandfather, because it's not just that he knew a lot, but also that he took the time to share what he knew, um, seemingly without exhaustion, although I know he must have been so tired mm-hmm. at, at so many moments. And um, I just think that that's such, such an important lesson for us all to take away. Well, how do you hope that we live out his vision and dedication to ending segregation and racism. I think that, you know, um, Tim wasn't just someone who was trying to tell his own story. He was trying to always be a vessel for the stories of others. 
And so I think just taking the time, everybody says interview your grandparents, which you absolutely should do, but also your parents, your friends, your peers, um, you know, saving your papers, telling other people the stories of the things that, that you take for granted. We're living through a historical moment right now, you know, that um, the everyday things about wearing masks and getting tested and socially distancing, I hope that people are documenting those things because that's that's history. Um, but also just being kind to other people and, and taking a moment to share what you know with, with humility and grace, um, as well as staying politically active in the local issues that you care about because Tim never stopped showing up for rallies. He never stopped showing up for meetings and, and speaking out. Um, he, he never counted himself out of, of that conversation. And I think that all of us have a role to play in that regard as well. That's Eve Ewing, professor, sociologist, and award-winning author. Thank you so much for making the time to join us. It's a great joy, and thank you for letting me talk about Dr. Black. Well, that's it for today's Reset. For more of our interviews, subscribe to this podcast. And please, give us a rating. It really helps other listeners find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.